on, come on, come on, come on, now touch me. Hey, your dudes, and so your name patch on your jacket. It's time for the 27 Club, the world's only podcast about the group so exclusive you have to die to get in. Hosted by It's Me, Pete. And, and it's, it's him. Me, it's PJ. Um, real quick, Pete, are you recording yeah. through your microphone? Because uh, I am on Audacity. Let me double check what I'm talking to you through. It sounds quiet on my end, but yeah, on Google, I am not talking to you through my mic. Okay, should be, I wondered why should it be sounded like now. shit. There we go. Okay, yeah. To the listeners, there will be no difference, but to PJ, there's a big difference. Exactly, and that's, you know what? Like, look, we send this out there. People listen amazingly. We talked about this recently. Yeah. Incredible that anyone listens. But really, at the end of the day, it's just for Pete and PJ. That's this whole yeah. thing. Just it's a, little a exercise Pete and PJ our... pet project. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, that should um, be as the further we move away from the Beach Boys, maybe it becomes the Pete and PJ pet project <laughs> of just us. Yeah, having our band party discussions on mic for years. Yeah. Um, is it, I mean that's already what it is. To be fair. Yeah. Um, you know, and some people will say we could have restarted the episode. We were only a minute in when I asked about your microphone. Who restarts? It would have been simple. Do people do? We're that? not gonna. Re- I'm sure. I'm sure some asshole out there would restart a podcast yeah. if they that sucks. misspeak or yeah. fuck I feel like something up. I don't. I don't remember any specifics. But years ago, I was listening to some podcast and they made reference to like something, uh, you know, like in the in the recording system got fucked up, where it was like thirty five right. minutes in, they had to restart because something was screwed up the whole time, and they had to fix it and then restart fully and it's like that's i it's ridiculous it's just ridiculous and what i want to say about that is i am so dedicated to not having to do that that when i deleted an episode i went back through and um re-recorded my audio mm-hmm. so yeah yeah which i guess which one it is <laughs> i don't think i've even told you this no i do not know this story but that is also a thing that fully happened for another show that both you and I listen to that we will not come on people don't need to know where we steal all of our jokes from yes yeah. <laughs> so, um but another show we listened to that was like on zoom during the pandemic like probably pretty much every podcast but there was some episode where they got done and the person's audio file they sent in was like totally fucked up and so they just they sent them it like they could hear what it was it was just like terrible quality and the person sat there and listened to it and just re-recorded every single thing that they said, like exactly like mm-hmm. they said it. And then they just layered it back into the episode. And it's hey, Pete, ridiculous. That's exactly what I did. And tell us, tell everybody about which episode is this? I oh, I'm not telling. Oh, okay, all right. That's yeah. uh, so sharp-eared, uh, eagle-eared listeners need to go back and uh, listen through the entire discography. It could be from the Beach Boys number one to now. Um, yeah, and well, yeah. Let's be real; it's probably not the Beach Boys. Well, that's a good point. We were in the same room for all those, so it'd be yeah. hard for it to be the Beach Boys. That's a very good point, PJ. So the Stones up until now. Yeah, yeah. Who knows? Let's see. I, I was... could hear everything I was saying though, so I did like yeah. know what to say, but uh, it was just unlistenable unless I went back through. Yeah, yeah. Well. Uh, I'm glad that you have the dedication to go do that, PJ. I really do. Or I really am. Honestly, it took about an hour, so... Oh, that's not too bad. Yeah. Um, 
So PJ, we are at, I was just, when we were talking about going back and listening through every episode, it made me curious. We're at 77 released episodes at this point of this entire show. Wow. I know, which is impressive. It's also doesn't seem like as many as we've done somehow. No. But um, it somehow seems like a lot and like. We should have more to our yeah, names. Yeah, right? But it made me, like, do you think we're- We did take, like, two years off. Are we ever going to get to 100? I mean, I, I guess we so. will, but not with the 27 Club. We're going to have to start a fourth run of this show in order to the make it to 100 Club. episodes. So, yeah, um, the 28 Club. Um, Yeah, I mean, we've talked a bit about what we should do next, and we still haven't landed anywhere. Uh, no. While we were talking about what band we should do next, we came up with the idea for this podcast, right? And started to do this. So yeah, I mean, and I don't. If you're thinking this is a call for ideas, don't, because uh, we asked for Sorry. ideas at the end of the Stone Studs, and we only got objectively really bad ideas. Yeah, um, and yeah, and you know, some of them were good ideas in certain aspects sure but not every aspect you have to think yeah like um, one was just don't do the pod or do the podcast about any band you want but just don't record it and put it out please yeah and that was like interesting the part about doing any band we want and not kind of being tied to like a theme but then the part about not recording it kind of makes me wonder like what's the point because people aren't going to be able to hear it yeah so that was that was a confusing one to me and well it did sound tempting I just, you know, at the end of the day, you got to record it and put it out there. You have to. PJ, there's no point in having a conversation with a good friend about things that you mutually enjoy without recording it and putting it out as a podcast. No, that's okay. People say there's no such thing as white culture. (laughs) Stop it. There absolutely is, PJ, and it is classic rock that we talk about exclusively on this show. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> oh, we're okay. The we're flirting very are... close to something I don't want to be for this show. So let's move on. Uh, uh, I think, you know, even though the My Undies guys, I think, might love the way we're headed right now, I don't, <laughs> I don't really want to get into it. So let's, uh, let's move on. All I'm saying is. Only yeah. discussing stuff on podcasts is white culture. Yeah, we do. Yeah, yeah. We 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 have some good ideas for the next run. I guess. Look at no matter what, we're gonna make it to a hundred episodes. That's yeah. our promise to you, listeners. You have to be able to see that hundredth episode. I don't even know what we're gonna do. What would you even do for a hundredth episode? Um, All we should have. We could have every guest we've ever had on back on. <laughs> That would be amazing yeah. and very hard to do. Yeah. I don't think at once. I think maybe like back to, we'd like ask everyone, mm. we'd try and figure out like a two hour slot where everyone was available and just do a few minutes with each. I know two, we can get no problem. The rest the two of that them, are on all the time. <laughs> yeah. Everyone yeah. else who's only been on one time each, maybe harder that to might get. Be, There's maybe a, a reason. Harder. Yeah. They've only been on. And I'm trying to think. Have we had more than four guests? Or is it okay, only been we, we've four? had Dawit. Yes, we've had Dawit. Jake, Jake, we've had Paul, Paul Thomas. Have we had Is more? that it? We've had other guests on episodes yet to be released. Yes. But um, in terms of released episodes. Ah, that might be it. That might be it. It's just that we've had Jake and Paul back a couple times. So it's felt like we've had more guests. I know Paul's our first guest. 
I yes. believe. Our first best. And you know what? We'll make him the last guest, too. Yeah. He deserves it. He that, that little boy, he's got nothing much else going on in his life. So. Um, let's see. Let's scroll all the way down to the Beach Boys boys. Because I think that is correct, but I feel like there's so many we're probably forgetting. Yeah. I think it just feels like a lot because, like, we've at this point had Jake on three times and Paul on twice, so it just feels like we've had more guests, even though... Like, yeah. we have... Or, but just, yeah, we've had a lot of episodes with guests, but not that many actual guests because we have the same people on. Because so, friends. That's true. Well, I, I, I don't know about you. I can't speak for PJ. Well, particularly our friends that want to sit around for an hour and a half and talk about fucking the <laughs> That's true. Dude. That's true. I do have actually a decent amount of friends. It's just the list of people who are interested in, in yeah. this is very low. Um, yeah, that is correct. Those are the only, and yeah. Um, but we, um, sorry, I got distracted. We're talking about Paul. We're talking about Jake. We're talking about guests. Um, I did invite somebody to be on this show at one point. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I was like, yeah, come on. Uh, and they're like, I thought about it because I was like, yeah, we can like schedule a few weeks in advance. And then I thought about it and they have, I'm sure, never listened to the Rolling Stones because this was in our Stone Stuts days. Mm. And um, I was like, there's not really a point in having them on. <laughs> yeah. Which sounds mean, but like if they're not bringing anything to the table, I guess they have. And it's not like they it's just that they've never listened to the Stones. They have no classic rock kind of background. Yeah. Which I suppose Dawit didn't either, but that was a fun episode because we ganged up on you pretty hard. You ganged up on me pretty hard, and you know Dawit is a game. He's a music fan in general, yeah. So and he's game to listen to stuff that he's not interested in and and give his opinion. Yeah, so that that worked out. And do you remember what uh, album we listened to? Yeah, wasn't it uh, Beach Boys was Live? On? Like the it was the, Beach Boys, or Live. it was both the live one. We listened to their like 1964 yeah. and 1971 live album or something. Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty good. Ha! Huh. Oh, the good Back old, in the, the days good old days when we did yeah. a band that I enjoyed, and when, <laughs> and when we were in person. Which I mean, even obviously, if uh, you know, COVID's over, as everyone knows, but we just we don't live in the same the same place anymore. So I live in the moment, and Peter yeah. lives in the past. That's true. I do. I'm very nostalgic. Uh, PJ, uh, do you want to go ahead and get to? A little, uh, uh, look, and don't freak out, guys. We're hurrying along because we're covering two full albums today. So don't look. It's okay. We're going to get to the- I know you love our zany banter. Yeah, we're going to get to the serious talk pretty quick. But uh, do we want to get to some listener mail? Yeah. Welcome All to right. Listener Mail. Yeah, Listener Mail. Uh, so we have uh, a very nice email and then a uh, some other uh, kind of Listener Mail adjacent business to take care of. So Yes. But let's go ahead and jump into an email. Uh, so if you want to email us, it's beachboysboys at gmail.com. Uh, we check it anywhere from every week to every 10 weeks. So don't mm -hmm. be worried if we don't get to your email immediately. 
Plus our episodes are usually on kind of a delay, so you might not hear about it for a while. And uh, right. Yeah, so anyway, so this email is from Joe. Oh, Pete, did you want to give out the, the password too? Or? Oh, you know, so my dad, I called my dad the other day for some email help. Because usually, traditionally, I think people know this. Like, your dad always knows how stuff works on the computer, you know? So yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I gave him a call the other day just wondering, like, Dad, I'm having trouble with my email. I can't really get this to work because I was... Yeah, I was just, I was logging in every time and then trying to email you, but I could only figure out how to save it as a draft and then text you that I saved a draft. And so, right. yeah. As you do. Right. Well, and that's why I was letting the listeners know, because I didn't think our email worked. I thought that was the only mm-hmm. way you could. Anyway. So I asked him, he told me that there's, he, there's a box, I guess. So when you log in, there's a little box you where you me can already, select Pete. i know it's but it's so he like he set up his ipad and like did and reversed the camera so that his ipad was pointed at his computer screen so i could see what he was doing <laughs> while he was yeah. doing it and it's like so it's hard it if you so can't see sense. it yeah but like under the thing where you put the password in there's this little tiny box that you just miss but i had my reading glasses on, and so i checked it and that is like stay logged in. So you don't, but so that solved oh. that problem. And then with the Perfect. drafts, there's apparently a send button, which I I had trouble finding, oh. like it's tough, but I he with at least one email, I got it to send. So basically he assured me that like for other people, they know how to do that. Like it's really easy for, I guess most people, but I just was having trouble finding that send button. So anyway. So we do have an email that uh, got sent to us. It's not a draft, saved in our drafts, uh, from Joe. And if people want to email us, again, that's beachboysboys at gmail.com, and the password is k And Peter's home address is 9... <laughs> that's just more for you to cut out. <laughs> but also a great bit. Um, all right. So, Joe... Sent us a nice, a nice lengthy email, and I appreciate it. Uh, so, I just listened to your latest podcast regarding the pigged pen, uh, during which you mentioned that you were amazed that anyone listened to you. True, we mentioned that on this episode, too. So, a little bit of, wow, Joe kind of could tell the future. Yeah. I am amazed as well, but I is this whole album just playing behind me now? <laughs> yeah, I, f- I forgot that it was going, and then I... Uh, I love, no, I love it. Uh, I'm amazed as well, but I fall into the 40 plus male with teenage sense of humor category. All right. I initially started listening because I was surprised to hear some younger dudes were into the Beach Boys. Yeah. Hell yeah. And then realized well, uh, uh, that so Joe. So now we know that Joe is searching podcast with young dudes who like X. So, okay. yeah. Well, that is what I tag our episodes as <laughs> yeah. young dudes who love the Beach yeah. Boys. And then realized maybe that wasn't entirely the case. Um. Yep. Wait, that young people don't like them or that we do that like them? you and I, well, you love the Beach Boys. Oh, I okay, I get it, I get it. He said, yeah. I really like them up until about 1965, which is actually the opposite of you. I agree with someone's dad's assessment where Pet Sounds had some good songs but didn't get the obsession with it. Interesting. All right. That's cool. And I don't even consider Joe, I mean, his, well, he just says 40 plus. Oh, no, later I think he says he's 46. He says his age at the... That's not even that old where I would 
like i think the person i think that was jake's dad who like literally yeah. was like 12 years old in those early 60s beach boys records yeah. so it was like really his childhood so but anyway interesting uh let's see i caught about 50 percent of the rolling stone stuff i like them but not as much as the beach boys i do possibly like them more than the beatles sorry to oh hmm. but he only likes half the rolling stone stuff and likes them more than no the i think he caught about 50 percent of our podcast is what oh saying. that seems more that's more correct yeah. for sure yeah 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 just every other episode i get it uh as far as the 27 club goes i probably listened to them all i was in high school oh this another agent i was in high school when the doors movie came out with val kilmer in the 90s you had to like jim morrison even if the idea of him wasn't quite accurate i've always liked janice but as far as Pigpen goes it's hilarious that he wasn't considered to be good enough to be in the band early on true it reminded me of this joke which you really should have told during the podcast <laughs> question we didn't know the what joke. did what did jerry garcia say when he came out of rehab man this music sucks <laughs> Which is, uh, yeah, pretty funny. Pretty good. Pretty good. Thanks, Joe. <laughs> um, I'm looking forward to your take on Kurt Cobain. Yeah, this is definitely his time if it was high school mm-hmm. high school in the 90s. Uh, yeah. I distinctly remember when he died thinking, wow, now he's going to be remembered as a big deal. True. Because in my mind, he wasn't. Interesting. And the 27 Club was already a well-known thing at that point, so it seemed like it was a strategic move, not a, stra- not a tragedy. Wow. A conspiracy theorist, I guess. Ice cold, Joe. Damn. (laughs) Wow. All right. Uh, Let's see. I liked Nirvana and thought they were okay, but hated Smells Like Teen Spirit, which was their popular song. I mean, fair. That's an awful song, but I guess we're not to Nirvana yet. Hey, you save it for the podcast. Amy Winehouse is my pick of the club. Nice. I didn't even know she existed until after she died. I'd stopped listening to current music altogether pretty much. I think she was great in retrospect. Anyway, people do listen to your podcast. Looking forward to more. Signed off, Joe, age 46, humor 13. <laughs> well, thanks for the long uh, note, Joe. Demographic, yeah. Joe hit every Joe hit every single thing we say when, yeah. when we ask people to email us. It's about the Beach Boys, the Rolling Stones, any members of the 27 Club, and any other music you're into. And Joe hit every single part of that. I'm impressed. He even got the Beatles in there. Which yeah, exactly. We don't require, but it's nice. No, but we're basically just like we're almost a podcast just about hating Eric Clapton. We're all well. Yeah. We're also almost just a podcast about how much we like the Beatles from like 1968 to 1970. <laughs> that's true. Well, I mean, I like the early stuff too, but I just feel like that's the only era that ever comes up on this show for whatever reason. Like we always that's just talk true. about yeah. late era Beatles, but um. Well, that's awesome, Joe. Uh, thanks for the note. Um, I'll try to try to get back to you off air here, but um, yeah, it's interesting. I the the opinion of I like the Rolling Stones, but not as much as the Beach Boys. But he likes both of them more than the Beatles. Is very it's crazy interesting. that he likes the Beach Boys more than the Beatles. Sorry. He, so in his mind, it goes Beach Boys, Rolling Stones, Beatles. Yeah, which yeah. to me is crazy. It's interesting. I don't, I, I mean, I look, I don't have a problem with anyone's musical opinions, but it's very interesting, especially because I usually associate the the era of people who don't like the Beatles as being a little earlier, like kind of during yeah. like the late 70s, 80s, when like the Beatle, the long tail of Beatlemania fell off finally, and people got sick of them. And then I thought back in the 90s, they were pretty big again. Like that's when, um, that's when I was bored. One yeah. came out. 
well, 2001, that's, yeah. I think. But that's when they did the the bird song, whatever that song is called, where they like remastered that unreleased Free one. Free as a bird. Yeah. And it was Can like I tell a you something pretty about that huge song, hit. I don't know. Go ahead. The, the first time I ever heard that song, I cried. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> that's a real thing, because I had never heard it, and yeah. I... And, like, I, I was watching, like, a documentary made on it. Yeah. And so then, like, but it's, like, the whole thing about the contributing and how the three of them got back together and then mm-hmm. made the song. And then it plays the song in the video at the end, and I was, like, probably 12, 13 when yeah. I watched this, and I thought it was a very touching That's awesome. Thing. I never saw the documentary thing about it, but I do remember figuring out it existed at some point when I was probably in high school and was pretty, I didn't like it that much. Oh, I think it's a good song. To be fair though, I think that's the one and only time I've listened to Free as a Bird. So I should probably give that another listen. I could do without the bird sound effects, but I like every other part of it. What? You don't want them to just redo Blackbird, but different. (laughs) So anyway, uh, so that's our new piece of listener mail. And then we do have just one more kind of adjacent thing here. So a few weeks ago, it's I get because we're kind of delayed with with when our episodes come out. I always lose track of when stuff happens. But I think we're at the point. Yeah. I, we're definitely at the point where people have heard the episode where we're asking people to please go actually review us on iTunes because we had a pretty low yeah. rating. But it was kind of because we only had like five reviews. We had like three five stars and two one stars. So it it made it look pretty bad. Yeah. Which, I mean, look, I'm not going to argue with the one-star reviews, obviously. But um, anyway, so if you – so we, we finally got one fucking person who went out there and wrote a little iTunes review. And uh, if you want to, that would be great. You can just – you it doesn't even have to be good as long as you hit that four or five stars just to make it <laughs> – because it's look like right now we're three point six out of five, which is not great, man. You want to at least let's be bump four. that up a little bit, yeah. yeah. So, but the most recent one we got uh, from Stumbled Candy Four is a five star review. Well, Hell to be yeah. fair, actually, now that I'm looking at it again, we have a bunch of ratings. We have like twenty five ratings, but we only have hmm. a handful of written reviews. Can I say that all of those ratings came recently? Well, a lot of the ratings are one we star, had, like, though. We have half really? of the. F- so, like, it doesn't tell you the exact amount, but the bar of five-star ratings, about half that is one star. So, it's like Interesting. a lot of people don't like this show and want to <laughs> share that opinion. They don't want to just yeah. stop listening to it. Anyway, all right. So, from Stumbled Candy 4, Loving the Pod, five stars. From the Beach Boys to the 27 Club, these guys keep the five-star content flowing. Five Rolos out of five. <laughs> So Stumbled Candy gets it. I have a feeling potentially that might be one of our regular listeners that we're aware of. But uh, even if it's not, I like it. Uh, I mean, so, they yeah, have to be a regular. For... They rolled everything in perfectly. A great review. Yeah, Thank yeah. you, Stumbled Candy for We do appreciate that. Also, with Joe emailing, I believe Joe is emailing for the first time, at least that I could find in our thing. We're up to, we have like, we have a couple people who email us a little more often, but we have a decent like group of, people now that like like of different people and so just you're always welcome to email us too and share your thoughts again even if they're negative we appreciate you reaching out so uh, if they're negative email us don't review (laughs) us uh if they're positive go ahead and go review us yeah just like every now i understand how every small business owner feels (laughs) (laughs) so yeah that has been a little listener mail 
All right, moving right along. All right, let's get to a new, this is going to be the one and only time we uh, we have this segment on the show. Uh, it's bringing back a concept that, a much beloved fan concept from earlier runs, uh, where we're going to go ahead and go through a photo of the band and pick who's hot and who's not. And this is uh, Who'd You Finger and Badfinger. Don't finger people that have consent. <clears throat> no, never. Don't do anything about consent. I just, you know, the the, the message, what we named it with the message of the oh, song. Oh, gotcha. Here it is. Come and get it. Got it. Got I didn't it. want. I didn't want any lines to get blurred. That's true. That's good. Yeah. Um, because we don't want to get sued. No. So that was uh, okay. That was a reference to Robin Thicke getting sur- sued I got about it. blurred yeah. lines. Okay, okay. It made it yeah. immediately to me at least sound like it was you're getting sued for like sexual assault or something. But, no. <laughs> okay. Well, and then I was trying to remember if it was Marvin Gaye or Sam Cooke, and I was going to say especially by Marvin Gaye. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, all right. So, who would you finger in bad finger with their consent? Uh, so let me go ahead and send you the photo I have here, PJ. Yes. The photo yes. I've selected. And I will. Uh, I'll post this on Twitter. So, yeah, you can Maybe. also search Badfinger 1971 and just scroll through until you think you're looking at the one we're looking at. Because I don't have. Ooh, a, that's kind of a fun game for you guys. Yeah, I don't have a better way to. Um, so we are gonna go with Badfinger 1971 just because they have really <laughs> fucked up hair in ni- by 1971. So it's gonna be way funnier because they all have. Well, three of the four have the classic, like if you can think of Paul McCartney and Wings, like basically a, mul- a 70s mullet. They all have 70s mullets, so. This is the same haircut that, um, and they all have different versions of it, which yes. is interesting. Yeah. But the, yeah, the same haircut, Paul McCartney and Wings, but I would say that in 1970, mm-hmm. every act from the 60s yes. turned into, and... Every band from the early 70s already had. Yes. So yeah, it's like a weird... early Zeppelin, they yeah. all had this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a weird combo of, so like the Brian Jones kind of haircut from like 1968, where it's basically um, the, oh fuck, god damn it. Prince Valiant? Yes, thank you. It's basically the Prince Valiant haircut. So that was really common in like the mid to late 60s. It's basically a combo of Prince Valiant and having your hair just as long and shaggy as possible, which is to say it's really long and shaggy, but then they cut the front in bangs. And so it kind of frames your face. Yeah. But it's still at your shoulders. So anyway. Well, and Rod Stewart still has this fucking haircut. Yeah. Well, you know, not everyone can be. All right. So we're starting on the far left. Uh, it's a color photograph. Uh, we have all four members looking not happy to be there, so I guess they were doing the cool band thing. No one's yeah. smiling. No one looks like they're having fun. A couple of them look actively hostile towards the photographer, to be honest. This is but. true, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, but we're starting well, they with... hired a Hitler lookalike for the photographer, which <laughs> yeah. seems like a weird, weird choice. choice. Uh, so on the far left is the most recent member of the band who joined uh, right after they released their first album, Joey Molland their lead guitar player uh young young looking chap brown hair Very he has young, yeah. the wispiest sideburns i have ever seen they and go they below go, they, like yeah. the the churn in his jaw they go straight down and below it but below that they just hang off they, they, they aren't curl. attached yeah they're all yeah. curly and wispy and long they look awful they look like if you had fake sideburns 
True. Yeah, it looks really? like a fucking Mike Myers movie. So, and but then however, he's got a cool his, like. Oh, go ahead. His hair is pinned straight, straightest hair of the group. Yeah, it's very very straight. Uh, and, I mean, he looks terrible. He sort of looks like Topher Grace in a wig and a bad pair of he, sideburns. Actually, he does. Oh my god, he's got a Topher Grace look to him. And then he's got a nice suede jacket on and what looks like a flower print button-up shirt. Um, yeah. Look, the hair, the facial hair alone is really, it's it's, yeah. it's the neck beard of sideburns, I think is really the only way to describe <laughs> it. Like it's just, it automatically it's is It's not repulsive. only the neck beard of, of sideburns, it's also kind of the mullet of sideburns. Yeah, I do think though, with a haircut and without those sideburns, Joey Molland has a chance with me. Oh, but in this I current think, incarnation, I, I don't, I, I cannot see it I happening. would say just without the sideburns. Like, his hair is yeah. bad, but... True. The sideburns are the most agreeable. But yeah. think about Paul McCartney on the cover of Ram. He has his haircut, True. and he's got a great beard. I'd finger him. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and, Joey just needs to pick a lane. Either grow out more facial hair or get rid of those fucking sideburns. Maybe he showed up to Apple uh, studios and he had the haircut and the beard and mm-hmm. Paul also showed up in that same thing. He's like, you gotta, you go to show. Paul showed up that day, saw him in the hall, yeah. said hi, was perfectly nice. The next day, Mal Evans had to come by and be like, Hey man, uh, this is kind of awkward, you... but it's, can it's like, you shave can the I, beard? Yeah. Can I keep the sideburns though? Side totally. You know what? Sideburns are great. John doesn't give a shit. You can keep sideburns. Yeah. <laughs> Don't do anything weird with them though. Yeah. Um. All right. But so, his fit, though, I will say, yes, the suede jacket good fit. is bomb. Yeah. And when we get to a, sh- one of the albums we're talking about today, another member of Badfinger will have also a killer suede jacket. So yeah, they, well, and his shirt is they do a good job, really nice. With from what clothes. we can see of his shirt, at least. So next we have Mike Gibbons, the drummer. Um. And <laughs> look, very uh, kind of like nineteen sixty seven David Bowie look. Very kind of like he's very pale, has extremely long yeah. hair, and like just straight I don't know. red hair. Yeah, kind of has like the I feel like a little bit Turtle effeminate look that David Bowie did early in his career. Um, all that being said, he looks like an alien. Yeah, nothing's grabbing me. His eyes are so wide set, so far <laughs> apart. So, like, I will say, though, the least likely person to me to be the drummer just in terms of his look. Because he doesn't look he like a drumming type. He looks like the no. least aggressive person in the group, I guess is what I'm he saying. He looks like a bassist, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, like, the yeah, the soft, like, uh, uh, thoughtful songwriter or something. So Yeah. Anyway, so, no. Sorry, I'm not fingering. He's a Mike no Gibbons for me. Yeah. So, next we have Pete Ham, the, the star of the show for us here in the You know who does club. look like the drummer, though? Pete Ham. Yeah, Pete Ham looks like the drummer. So He also looks 40. Yes, Pete Ham looks a lot older. He has extremely John Paul Jones-esque hair, speaking yeah. of Led Zeppelin. Like, he's got the, the bangs and, and everything, it, but it's very blonde and very curled, but it looks like it's set with hairspray kind of curled. Yeah. Like it's Well, bad. and an extremely John Paul Jones face yeah, as well. Yeah, actually, yeah. Pretty large nose. He looks, he looks concerned, and to be honest, he looks like, yeah, the photographer is like, Pete, you're an asshole. Click. Yeah. Like, that's what his face looks True. like at the moment. So, hey, that's exactly what the but, wedding photographer said at your wedding. <laughs> yeah, that's right. 
Uh, and then uh, maybe the least interesting outfit. He's got a blue sweater or jacket on of some kind. Hard to tell. Yeah, and like a right. red denim shirt, maybe or brown denim shirt. It's fine. and maybe suspenders. Yeah, there's a red stripe think, happening. I don't know what's going on. I there. think that's all one shirt, Pete. I think wow. that's one shirt and the PJ. The, that would be like, truly crazy. I believe that's what it and is. He's got some braces on. Well, yeah. you know what? Look, Pete Ham once again not interested in finger. It's look. I think Pete Ham's the most attractive member so far. It's I am hung up on this hairstyle. This hairstyle is. We talked about it with the Rolling Stones studs. There was a moment in time where every yeah. member of the band had this hairstyle too, and Keith stuck with it for the rest of his life. Forever, yeah. And it it's so unattractive to me, but I will take Pete Ham as the most likely option if I'm if I'm backstage with the Finger and Boys. See, he's a maybe for me. Yeah. Um, because he well, and I think when we talked about it on the Stone studs, we said they could all get it if they didn't like it was when all of them were like in shape and their faces weren't too weird from heroin yet but their <laughs> yeah. hair was just so bad the hair was bad yeah the hair is bad and but i don't think he would look better with a different haircut is my thing i think I he think, will i think so th- like i think with a mid length like like i don't know kind of the length my hair is now where it's like it could get in your eyes and stuff if you have it like down i don't know i think he could look better with like a Okay. I think there's look, I think there's there's promise in that nose. I like his big nose. I mean, he's cute. So next we move on to the last person, Tom Evans. Uh our uh new bass player. Well not new, he just moved to bass. So um and Tom Evans look, we talked about Mike Gibbons' eyes being a little funky. Yeah. His Tom are Evans, too close. Yeah, Tom Evans' eyes are too close and like they got to split the difference. Yeah, yeah. Tom Evans has kind of a weird look, and he also just kind of looks in this photo the most like he is sleeping with his eyes open at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> like, got, he truly looks nice, out of it. He's got that nice stubble, like his, a 5 o'clock yeah, shadow. His stubble is, is great, but his hair is the worst of the bunch. No, because, not true. to me, because it's it's very similar to Pete Ham's, where it's like the bangs with but the curly thing bangs. on the side. But yeah. he has the thing where it's fluffed up at the crown of his head, like almost yeah. a weird beehive thing happening, and it's god awful. So it's a it's a bad haircut. Yeah. But what's the drummer's name? Mike Gibbons. His hair is the worst. Oh, I think. see, I think his is the best, even though I don't think it's that attractive, just because it's not banged. He doesn't have bangs on it. It's just normal long hair. Yeah, it's. So. Uh, none of them have good haircuts. Maybe. None of them have good haircuts, but. But I don't think I don't think this guy's is the worst. All right. Well, PJ, who would you finger in bad finger then to wrap this up? You know, well, we didn't even talk about the fit on the basis. Oh, true. Go yeah. Great fit. It's a red yeah, sweater. It looks pretty great. Um kind of like a paisley print mm-hmm. uh uh sh- shirt and then under the sweater and then a blue denim jacket maybe. It looks pretty like a house denim or jacket maybe polyester, kind of. but the time yeah. who knows but, but yeah great fit nice big i'd collar. finger him yeah all right i think so i like i mean his eyes are very close together but the stubble's working for me yeah i think i you like the I volume think, in the hair you're like there's more to grab you know it's exactly and it's black which i think looks way better than like the brown and the blonde hair sure. that these other two have going on it makes it look slightly um, less like a wig somehow yeah <laughs> you know he's you know it's kind of it's kind of giving a sultry look to the camera. 
He's tempting. You mean the look that I described as he's sleeping with his eyes open? (laughs) Yeah. I'm kind of into that. All right. Yeah, nice. All right. What about you, Pete? Uh, I'm I'm landing on Pete Ham. I'm taking Pete, Pete our our, okay. our man of the moment here. Yeah. Plus, you know, he's got to get his jollies in. He's, he doesn't have long to live. That's true. That's what I hear. Uh, all right. Well, that's who Pete and PJ would finger in bad finger. All right. All right. Um, real quick, yes. I'm just I want I'm going to take one side excursion to talk about something. Please. Um. I recently have watched all of the Pirates of the Caribbean films, and I want to front load this by saying it has nothing to do with the trial that the the lead actor no. is uh, involved in. No. Um, my girlfriend just asked, would you like to watch these? And I said, yeah, I really do. Yeah. And then, um, so, Keith Richards. Yes. Appears he, in two of them, right? Two of them. The third and the fourth. Four, and then I believe, yeah, and then we have another person shows up in a later one, right? Yeah, Paul McCartney yeah. is in the fifth one. Yeah, um, and I just wanted to talk about how much better Paul McCartney's cameo is <laughs> than either of Keith Richards. Yeah, um, so Keith Richards is like the pirate king. No, he's not the pirate king. He's like the keeper of the scrolls. Some weird bullshit. Yeah, but he's yeah. also uh, Captain Jack Sparrow's father. Yes. Um. And he, like, the cute thing that they do for him is, like, he's, like, playing, like, an old flamenco guitar oh, and, like, okay. sitting on a throne. And that's how they're, like, oh, it's Keith Richards. It's so funny. And, like, the funny part is that, like, Johnny Depp based his portrayal of Jack Sparrow on Keith Richards, which, mm-hmm. you know, famously. So it was, like, cute that they got him. But then um, in the th- fourth one that he's also in, there's, like, nothing really like that. He's just there yeah. for a second. But Paul McCartney's is really cute. He plays uh, Jack Sparrow's uncle, and like as, as he's in jail, I had no and, idea. That, um, I knew he was in it, but I had no idea the yeah. context. That's ridiculous. Well, I, I so Paul seen McCartney it and now. Keith Richards are brothers in this yeah, context. In okay, theory. okay, it's Which not. Is kind it's of not funny. an uncle. I by get me. it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I don't know. Um, but um, he's like in a jail cell while uh, Captain Jack Sparrow is being drugged down the hallway to be thrown in a different cell, oh, okay. and he's singing Maggie May, which <laughs> I thought was nice. really funny. Yeah, and then um, he just has like an excellent. Um, he's really funny. Like he's yeah. a funny dude, yeah. and um, I was just delighted the entire time. I was like, <laughs> "How'd they get Paul McCartney? That's crazy." Yeah, that is really um, crazy. That's fun. Yeah. That's awesome. I have not seen that one with, with the one with Paul McCartney. I was definitely you know, out of the series by that point. And that's totally fair. Okay. The only reason I watched them was because I was like, well, if I'm going to watch the first sure. three or whatever, I'll just watch all of them. But my opinion of Pirates of the Caribbean used to be that the first one is a damn near a perfect movie. Yeah. It's really great. Yeah. And I don't care who the fuck you are. It's a great movie. Yeah. And then the second and third ones I always hated mm-hmm. because I saw them when they came out and then I never watched the other two. Yeah. Um but rewatching them with the thought in mind and this is uh, a friend of the show Paul, he was like, "No, I love those ones." And I was like, "Why?" And he was like, "You know, I don't really care about the plot so much as much as like yeah. it's kind of fun just seeing Jack Sparrow like do his like bullshit for the fourth and fifth and- ones, you mean?" For the well, the second through oh, got fifth it. Okay. ones, yeah, yeah, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. Um, but 
he's totally right. It is fun just like watching Jack Sparrow do pirate stuff and like yeah. be a weird drunk guy. And like the little bits they do, they're pretty good. Yeah. Um yeah, the plot on all of them, except for the first one, trash. Yeah. Bad plot. Yeah. But you know, give them a watch with just like the openness of being like, Yeah, I like watching this for like pirates, you know? Yeah. It's 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 a good watch at that point. All right. That's super fun. I'm like, the last time I've watched any of those was in college. I think I just watched the first three. And first one's perfect. The second one was much better than I'd remembered. And I really hated the third one. So, yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. It's fun, though. Right. Very fun. Very fun. So fun. Nothing if not fun. So fun. So fun. All right. Well, let's <laughs> let's get back uh get back to the bad finger story. Uh so PJ reminded me uh that last week we really just talked a lot about bad finger as a group and not so much about our um protagonist Main boy. uh Pete Ham and that's going to kind of I mean, look. Let's be real. Pete Ham as a 27 club member, not very famous. Pete Ham is a rock musician in history, not very famous not or very cared famous. about. So look, there's not like a ton. I mean, I'm sure someone, there actually are a couple like really good books on Badfinger just because they have a pretty interesting story. Um, right. Both well, from like their come up to also the way that they spectacularly collapsed, uh, culminated in Pete Ham's death. Um, Ooh, spoilers. But yeah, exactly. But um just in terms of Pete Ham as a person, like, I don't know. We'll, we'll get there when we get there. So Badfinger are on the up in 1970. Uh, their uh, hit single, Come and Get It, had come out. Their initial album came out and did pretty well. And they are touring the U.S., making a name for themselves uh, off this record. While on tour, their manager, Bill Collins, who I believe we, yeah, the guy who they lived with. They lived I assume yeah. they still live with him. They're not moving out. That'd be the assumption, yeah. Uh, meets a guy named Stan Pauly uh, while they're on tour, and they decide to hire Stan as their business manager. And here is where we remind everyone that if in a band's Wikipedia page they go into detail about who their business manager is, it will not end well. It does not turn out <laughs> no, well. it yeah. always is a bad thing if you know a band's business manager. You never want to know that. That's um, yeah. true. You know, I'd never thought about it, but... <laughs> Yeah, Peter, you nailed it. Yeah, if you, you don't know right who it is, head. that means that they're just doing fine. If you do know who it is, it means that they're going to get fucked. So, Stan Pauly, and stop me if this sounds familiar from the Rolling Stones listeners, Rolling Stones does listeners, he starts Badfinger Enterprises Incorporated with himself as vice president and the band oh, on salary. And Who was president? Yeah, uh, great question. Could not find that information. I okay. assume they installed like his dog or something because it's you know it's already kind of a puppet umbrella <laughs> yeah. corporation to yeah, hide. It's money, like when so. the mayor of a town is a cat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Know? So, um, and obviously, like I just joked about, a similar idea to how Alan Klein, quote unquote, helped all of the artists he uh, managed. By yeah, it was a big thing here where they would start a corporation and then put the band on salary, and it allowed them to pay a lot less taxes on all the money the band earned, but it gave the people in charge, Alan Klein, Stan Pauly, an insane amount of control over the band's money. And the band right. really would have no recourse because they signed a contract making them their business manager. And they were like the president of their company. 
So they would, it just, it leads to legal troubles always because they can't just fire them because they are their subordinates in this company structure. And it makes you wonder why. I mean, it was obviously in vogue for a while, so. So this resulted in Stan Pauly earning anywhere from about $6,000 to about $8,300 per band member per year, uh, like on his cut, yeah. as well as, which it's weird, very specific numbers for each band number, and they all were different. And it's like, but it wasn't ranked like drummers the least, bass players the second <laughs> least. It was like Pete Ham was one of the lowest, and he is, I, you know, at least at this point, I guess at this point he's not quite the like band leader yet. They're they're a little. He and Tom Evans have kind of shared that duty, but anyway. Yeah. What so, was the amount that you said? What was the lowest? The lowest amount? is fifty nine hundred. So if you're doing the inflation calculator. Oh, I am. Okay. So as well as he got profit from the corporation and his management commission, which totaled around a hundred k. Uh, wait, oh, that totaled around 100K. He earned around, I think, wait, what am I looking at? So, uh, 5,900 is the equivalent in, this is US dollars, yeah. by the way. Um, I don't want to translate to British pounds, but, uh, 43,000. So about, um, 200 grand total. Yeah. What I have money. somehow, I, I don't know what my math was. I did some inflation stuff and I have the number 900K in our, in, are modern dollars per year. I'm saying I added stuff. So like, what did you, what was your math? Yeah. Cause he did. My math was if in 1970, I did 70. But did you just um, do the things from the band? Yeah. Cause then he also got profit from the corporation and then his management commission. Okay. I'm sure your number is right. Yeah. I just wanted to know. Oh, gotcha. That was yeah, per yeah, yeah. band member. Yeah. Right. I didn't do a total. So yeah, he was, almost making a million dollars per year off this not very popular band <laughs> yeah which is pretty incredible uh and it will it surprise you to know that they made hardly anything <laughs> oh so that is shocking yeah. anyway so the group uh is well received in the u.s but uh and you know not to borrow pj's joke from last week but does this sound familiar to anyone the group is well received but is already getting sick of everyone comparing them to the beatles and want to distance themselves so oh wow. thankfully they don't do it by playing just ultra generic like alt rock they do mm -hmm. it by well make up your mind i guess when we hear these albums but um yeah. about how you th if you think they distance themselves well enough or how you think they distance themselves so we'll find out uh so but during this time uh all the members end up working on some more beatles stuff which is interesting so the the whole band is called in to play on the all things must pass sessions um cool. and i believe at least Joey Molland and Pete Ham, I think the two guitar players, I think at least them are on like most of the album and then the other members show up here oh, wow. and there. Um, and then they all play as well on some single from uh, that Ringo did by himself. Um, and then later, uh, the group also played at the concert for Bangladesh, uh, which we'll kind of get to maybe how that came about or we'll get to how it came about a little bit later. Uh, did all of the, all of them play? So all of them played with a couple songs, and then Pete Ham alone joined George Harrison to be to play "Here Comes the Sun," and it was just them two, those two, doing a, a duet yeah. on "Here Comes the Sun." So, give me one second, Pete. 
I was grabbing albums. Oh, nice. Because I happen to have both of those on vinyl. Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, I guess I could have pulled out my All Things Must Pass. I didn't think about it. But the Bangladesh is awesome, I do have a concert too. for Bangladesh. It's maybe the most I've ever paid for a record. You can never find one of those in good shape, kind of like All Things Must Pass, because the box just falls apart, man. Yeah, I've got both in really nice. good condition. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of photos of Badfinger here. Yeah. There you go. Um, I'll just go ahead and read a quote here real quick about them them being similar to the Beatles. Oh, nice. Wait, who? In the middle? No, that's Pete Ham. Oh, okay. He looks great with the mustache. I've never seen him looks with a mustache. very good with a mustache. Yeah, that, that solidifies that I would finger that man. I love the mustache. Yeah. With the mustache, I'd finger him too. Yeah. So Tony Visconti, the producer who worked on a lot of their first album, said, the thing that impressed me so much was how similar their voices were to the Beatles, which we did talk a lot about last week. Yeah. I sometimes had to look over the control board down into the studio to make sure John and Paul weren't singing. So, cool. Well, that's a little bit much, but... Yeah. Um. So, anyway, so that's... And that's going to be hard for them to shake their entire career and will dog them a little bit their entire career. So... Mm-hmm. See, this is I think on a on a previous episode we had talked about um, who like which Beatles pet project they were. Yeah, and we couldn't remember if it was Paul or George. And I was like, I'm fairly certain it's George because, yeah, I know, I know they had some involvement with. I didn't know about the All Things Must Pass, but I knew they had some involvement with Concert for Bangladesh. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it makes sense that they're both. Yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> both where, the yeah, their first yeah. album is kind of spurred on by Paul's interest. And then when we get to straight up here, their third album, that is, um, yeah, kind of a George Pet Project thing that he takes on to work with them on straight up. So they get at least Very two Beatles yeah, attention yeah. here. And then I guess they play on the Ringo song, although not sure if that's just because they kind of were around or whether they actually had a relationship with Ringo, I guess. So. I'm sure they would. Somebody paid him to do it. You gotta go hang out with Ringo, man. Yeah. Fuck today again. So, uh, do we want to take a quick break and then come back with the track by track for their follow up, their sophomore effort, No Dice? Let's do it. No Dice. No Dice. We'll be back right after. of paper green You never hear them calling her name They just know where to be And we're back from break. Welcome back. Uh, so No Dice comes out in November of 1970. Uh, it was recorded at Abbey Road and Trident Studios in London. And their first full album with uh, Joey Molland on guitar and Tom Evans on bass. And interestingly, like, so Pete Ham kind of is like the lead guy in this group, but not really. 
all four members on actually both the albums we're going to talk about today are credited with writing songs and i think all four will sing lead on every album too um so like pete ham beach boy situation yeah pete ham's like kind of the lead guy but then also yeah like joey mulland and tom evans too are like all over the place so um it is kind of interesting uh i i never realized even listening to these guys a lot i kind of never realized how much all the members were involved it it never occurred to me that much that it was like yeah so many different people writing and uh and singing so uh so let's see jeff emrick uh who worked on a lot of the latter era beatles albums and mal evans produced this record and let's see, do we want to, let's do the Rolling Stone review real quick before we get into the track by track. This little thing called like a Rolling Stone. So the Rolling Stone review came out December 2nd, 1970. They have really upped their turnaround on these. Uh, let's see, uh, written by Mike Saunders, not a name I recognize. With our new album, No Dice, Badfinger has to do their you think credit. You don't re- Sorry, I, I don't mean to interrupt, but, um, well, I did, but um, do you think you don't recognize his name because it's the most boring name I've ever heard in my life? Yeah, I'm pretty sure Mike Saunders has emailed us <laughs> yeah. about the show. He's a big fan. Uh, so let's see. With their new album, No Dice, Badfinger has to their credit one of the best records of the year. The album is literally a quantum jump over their uneven debut album and Badfinger is certainly on their way to fulfilling their enormous promise. The types of songs that Badfinger excelled on before are here once again, great rockers and gorgeously done pop rock and roll. The difference is that this time around, everything else is good as well. The album flows well. Pete Ham sings his best McCartney-esque voice, their guitarist plays like Eric Clapton, and the material is all very good. Uh, Without doubt, Badfinger's most noticeable trademark is Pete Ham's ability to write, sing, and even look like Paul McCartney. And it goes beyond that. For the group's similarities to the Beatles in their late Beatles studio-type sound and the good group singing that the late Beatles so direly lacked... Eh. Did he listen to Abbey Road? Um, I don't... It's as if John, Paul, George, and Ringo had been reincarnated as Joey, Pete, Tom, and Mike of Badfinger. And in general, general, this album sounds like nothing so much as what might have happened had the post-Pepper Beatles gotten it together after their promising uh, double album, The Beatles. Badfinger is becoming that good, and they might get better. So this guy's knocking the Beatles, but praising Badfinger? Well, he's knocking Abbey Road and Let It Be, and I think he doesn't love the White Album, but thinks it's promising. I don't know. So uh, what was this guy's name? Mike, Mike Jones Saunders. or something? Yeah. He can go fuck himself. So, in I love with Badfinger. but is. I mean, really, here's what he said. I don't know why he... All the late era Beatles digs were weird, but what it really sounds like is like if if it sounds like he liked like the 65, 66 Beatles, but right. just if they had kind of moved into like 70, like late 60s, 70s rock styling instead of mid 60s rock styling. So, but whatever. Let's just get to the That's track. An by anno- track. It's a really annoying take, honestly. It is. Uh, so, track one. We have I Can't Take It. Uh, This is a Pete Ham song, and he is singing lead. Yeah, he sounds like Paul McCartney. Yeah, 
I would agree that he does try to sound like Paul McCartney singing. I don't know about this whole looking like him. No, he doesn't look anything like Paul McCartney. They're both men. White, white (laughs) men. That's what I got. Yeah, they're both white. Brown hair. But like, but he's kind of blonde. Kind of blonde. Really dark brown hair. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I think this is a very, very good song. Like, I don't know. Let's get to the chorus real quick, actually. It's a good song, but what Beatles song does it sound like, Pete? <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, well, like, kind of like I just said, I do feel like this is them doing, like, I think this whole album to me strikes very much like what if 1964 Beatles came out now? You know what I mean? Like, it's that kind of very poppy uh, and, like, pop vocal kind of styling, but with, like, 1970 kind of harder rock instead of the, like, Beatles thing that they moved into, which was a lot more art rock influenced and and all that. Like, this is very stripped back, again, like that earlier kind of Beatles sound. And there's definitely a focus on, like, four instruments and four guys singing. I, which is interesting. I don't dis. I do disagree, but I think it's stripped back to that same sound. But to me, it sounds like, you know, the uh, Let It Be sessions. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I can't. Uh, yeah, for sure. But that was kind of a throwback to what they were. Well, and that's what I mean. I, and so I guess it's like the same gotcha. thought, just different. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, it's a good song, objectively. Yeah. Uh, we but do get. F- Later on here, a little bit of horns. Uh, the horns on this album and the next album, I think there's a little bit of horns on Straight Up. They're really obnoxious because they're so low in the mix. They, they really need to stand out a lot uh, to me because, as everyone knows, I lo- we love horns. We love horns um, here. And they could bring the horns in earlier. The horns are basically just in the last chorus that they bring them in, and it'd be cool to bring them in much earlier. You can hear them coming There in. we go. There's like a saxophone solo and then also like a trumpet and sax maybe doing a horn line. I can't believe this is the remastered version because that is so lost in the mix. It's weird. It must be what they wanted, I guess. I guess so, but that's weird to me. So now we get to I Don't Mind. Uh, This is an Evans, Tom Evans, Joey Molland written song and uh, Tom Evans, I believe, is singing lead. Um. This leads us into our rhythm for this album, which is one fast song, one slow song the entire time. The entire time. They, it's really funny where they're like, we're a rock band, but we accidentally wrote six full slow songs for a 12-song <laughs> album. What do we do? We can't have one half and one half. We forgot about how much we loved ballads. So, which I think listeners know, I don't love slow songs, and I especially don't love slow songs stacked at the front of an album. And it... It's something I never quite realized about this album, but it explains a lot about why I think this album was fine. And I kind of, it took me years to figure it out, but it's like, it's just because it's so jerky to me, like the fast song, slow song. And so, yeah, it like doesn't get into a rhythm for me ever. Yeah. Even though I Um, love some of these slow songs, I think this is a really cool song. Great bass line. Yes. Um, you know, and I assumed that, because last week you uh, lied to me and said that this week it was far less Beatlesy. Where oh. the first two songs here, yeah. I think are still pretty Beatlesy. 
Yeah. Not nearly well, as much. Believe me, as... that was in the back of my mind the whole time I listened, and I was, yeah. uh, God damn it. Yeah. Uh, so Tom Evans, this... by the way, is the guy who did the John Lennon voice the whole first album, and it's a little less Lennon-y here, but I, I still hear it. It's very across the universe in my Yeah, mind. like he's no longer doing the filter, which helps a lot, but he does have yeah. the kind of little bit more nasally... Uh, kind of yeah. laid back voice that John John has. Well, and he's doing the filter right now. Yeah. But not the. I don't. I think this is just a filter, not the. John it's a filter, filter but still, <laughs> if you do any filter okay, with okay. Right, doing so. a John Lennon impression, right. it's gonna sound like John Lennon. Yeah. I think this song is fine, but it should not be the second fucking song on the album. It's wild to me. Wholeheartedly agree. Yeah. Uh, let's get to We're Love gonna... Me Do. This is a Joey Mullen, right. the new guitar player, gets the third song here. Lead singer and... Uh... Oh, shit. I'm sorry. Is this not the right one? No, no, man. Yeah, yeah. Not quite. Oh, fuck. I'm sorry. <laughs> Wait, isn't it Love Me Too? Did I really write it wrong in my notes? No, it's no, Love Me it's Do. Love Me okay. Do. They're both yeah. named Love Me Do. Yeah, okay. And if they're annoyed with these Beatles comparisons, don't what name a song the right same goddamn do. thing as a Beatles song. I know, song. right? You could pick any words for this chorus. It doesn't have to be love Anything. me too. Love me too. Love me too would have been better. Um this is not very Beatlesy. Maybe no. like white album era, but it's a stretch. Ish, but yeah, it's definitely leans a yeah. lot more just like power poppy 70s. Um, this is like yeah. Yeah. And his voice definitely doesn't sound like a Beatle. It's like yeah. maybe I think you could if we're really taking the Beatles thing to to the end. It, he could maybe be the George cuz he's got like a little bit of a thinner voice. It kind of sounds a little bit like a George-ish song to me like maybe like a Ringo too. Yeah, or Not that. like the Ringo yeah. effect, but he's I don't know. Yeah. But this is the first from Badfinger so far. This is the least Beatlesy song, yeah. and the only reason I wanted to bring the Beatles up on this one is because they named a fucking song the same thing as the yeah. Beatles. Yeah. That's like if Greta Van Fleet named a song um, "Tangerine," yeah. and it was not the same song. It'd be pretty funny. Um, all that being said, Maybe this song is fine at best. I've never loved this song. It's it, there's just not quite enough going on here. It's got great drums. Yeah, it sounds like he's trying to do a Bowie kind of thing. Yeah. It's the instrumentation it's, is excellent. I really like all the drum fills Mike Gibbons does on this whole album. But um, yeah, this song's pretty boring. And again, it's like it's a rough start to the album for me because I can't take its great slow song, kind of a shrug of a fast song. So yeah, let's uh, get to Midnight Caller. This is a uh, Pete Ham again singing and writing. This is where to me the McCartney thing really is full going full bore. This sounds like the other version yeah. of like, or this sounds like it. Yeah, it could be any Wings song. <laughs> yeah, this is early Wings. Yeah. I love it though. I mean, like we talked about it last week. I'm a little less bothered by it just because I enjoy this kind of song and everything. So like, I'm mostly annoyed because you told me it wasn't like that. He even says "You never" in this song exactly like Paul sings it on "You Never Give Me Your Money." Yeah. <laughs> I think my problem is that I think of myself as a pretty big Beatles guy 
but I think my problem was like short, like setting all this up against someone who is way more into the Beatles than me. And so who, like you can absolutely <laughs> spot every detail in a way that like kind of goes by me. So. <laughs> this has a great melody in the chorus. It's just like. I mean, it's a good song. I sound like if my mom listened like to this album, it's just a nice song. You know, yeah. it's just nice. <laughs> it's again, that was nice crazy that this is finger. the fourth song on the album. We're doing some real Rolling Stones shit here with just front loading all the boring songs. But yeah, it feels like we've been listening for an hour already. Yeah, but this is a fantastic song. Like this album, really, I did not do a reorder because I didn't care to. But this is an album that I think with a reorder could be like it could, it be could move up a couple yeah. full points from whatever I'm gonna give it. I agree. Uh, All right, but I don't think there's much more here. Now we get to the lead single, No Matter What, another Pete Ham joint. And the best song on the album. Yeah, this song I have definitely heard before, because who hasn't? Yeah, this is a featured song at uh, someone's wedding. Just an amazing song. It's truly fantastic. Like... Yeah. And this is, I think, a really, this is the perfect version of what if 1964 Beatles were like 1970s power pop sound. Like you got all the See? harmonies, you got the like jangly kind of guitars, but then they're also distorted. To me, this is the only Beatlesy part at all. This part's in the rest very of it, I think, so independent. Yeah. And it's only, it's only those harmonies yeah, yeah. that come into the chorus or the bridge or whatever. Let's just say, like, the ethos of those no, early Beatles tracks. That part's very beatles The rest of it, I'm yeah. fine with. I love, yeah, the guitar tone here. The only thing that's lacking, the great guitar solo soon, too. And great drums again. Oh, I missed. He didn't do a drum solo that time. Um, just phenomenal. The only thing lacking is... They moved Tom Evans to bass. He's a way better bass player than the last guy. This song has pretty bad bass. Like, the bass line is nothing to write home about, and it's really annoying. Nice guitar or slide solo by Pete Ham here. I will give Pete Ham this. Pretty great guitarist. He is. He and Joey Mullen are fantastic yeah. guitar players. They're, I mean, the drums are nothing special. The bass is really, I've not heard a great bass line yet. Yeah. But I don't the know. guitars are yeah, great. Yeah, the bass is like, there's never like a great bass line, but it's always, almost always, it's doing like the right thing to me. Like it's not just playing root notes and it's not just like not sitting bad. in one spot. This song, it's pretty bad. This song reminds me of the come and get it bass where it's like, why is it just doing nothing the whole mm. time? It should be doing something better. Yeah. I mean. Because it could take this song I, to another level. And I think that's just kind of like, kind of what bass was like at the time yeah. for a lot of like really average bands That's probably true all right yeah. let's all get right. to without you uh this is a pete ham and tom evans song and i believe pete you're lucky ham i didn't play with and without you and, and oh now we get to our slow song oh right we just had a fast song i forgot but I guess that's just the way the Is Pete Ham singing? Goes. Yeah. Sing like this all the time. Don't do McCartney. Yeah. 
Because this he sang, he's yeah. singing very well. It does sound I don't like this too, song, yeah. but it's a pretty I like this song. song more when it kind of starts up here. And I do like too. They're doing that where it's just bass and guitar instead. Like there's no drums yeah. in yet, and I really like. Even though it's only the sixth song, again, I'm like, this feels too soon in the album for this slow song. Yeah. I think if this song was shorter and maybe had a quicker buildup, it'd be a lot cooler. But I do think the chorus is pretty weak. Like, they're going for kind of an epic-y thing where it's like we could... Hey Jude, this out to the sunset, and I don't yeah. think it's a great melody. I don't know; it doesn't catch me. That's what, yeah. Well, and then Homeboy Joey Mullins, right? Yeah, ruins it by doing a John Lennon voice. Oh, you, Tom Evans, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tom Evans, yeah. Yes, yeah. He's singing the back. The yeah, he's singing with Pete here. This song, this song is good, but like, it's not great, and it's with an album with so many slow songs like i'm really nitpicking the slow songs because i already kind of hate them so (laughs) yeah and that's fair i think but uh let's go ahead and get to the second half of the album starting with blodwin another pete ham lead and written and a beautiful word i might name my son blodwin i assume it's welsh given that they're welsh it's b-l-o-d-w-y-n which is a very funky looking word Not doing a very Paul voice, once again. No, yeah, and it's pretty good. Also, yeah, the bass, man. They could step it up. Um, I think, yeah, it's always solid. There's, I'm forgetting, there's something really great on this. Maybe I'm thinking of the next album where the bass is a lot better. I might be. It's hard when we listen to two in one week. <laughs> yeah, because this is the country bass where it's just yeah, yeah. like... Um, yeah, and I I like this. I like doing the Which country is fine, thing. But I think it. I don't know. I think this would have been a better album overall had it had I guess more interesting bass. Yeah. Yeah, I think this song is solid. Um, but like, here's the deal. Like, okay, so we're starting the second half of the album. We have had three up-tempo songs, and one of them sucks. And so I'm st- I still feel yeah. like I'm waiting for the album to start. You know what I mean? And yeah. so that's kind of this album's problem with me is that all the songs individually I like, but listening to it as an album, it, it's rough. Yeah. The um, guitar is really nice here. I don't know the words. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, like that slide. Like, like, the I country like guitar. Doing country yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. Go ahead, get to Better Days. This is another Joey Mullen, Tom Evans song with, I believe, Joey Mullen singing lead. This song slaps, I will say. I really like the guitar tone, like it's so fuzzed out, and like, I love how laid back this song is. Joy Mullen does a great lead vocal. Yeah. I like the vocal take on this one. Yeah. 
Yeah, this song to me is like it's it's slow, but it's got this like loping rhythm to it, and like he's singing kind of slightly behind the track the whole time, and it makes it feel like more driving to me, and then just has some this really is, great guitar and rhythm guitar yeah. throughout it. This is maybe my second favorite song on the album. Yeah, it's up there for sure. It's yeah, I think uh, no matter what, and then better days. Which, in my mind, are the two least Beatlesy songs on it. So. I just love when he gets back into this tone. This is the first like great drum track that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Mike Gibbons is hit or miss here. I think the next album we're gonna be a little more impressed with him. But. Yeah. This this song. Nice. Let's see if there's a guitar solo. I don't remember if there is. Oh, it picks up here. I think after the guitar solo. Hell yeah. Yeah, this is very nice. Oh, fuck yeah, dude. Yeah. Honestly, so good. Yeah. Uh, it had to be. So this is a Mike Gibbons song. He wrote it with Pete Ham and his singing lead. Had to be. I think he's definitely doing the Ringo if we're going <laughs> to choose a Ringo. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you're right. <laughs> Take it from me. Yeah, do you think, when's the tambourine going to come in? Yeah, 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 exactly. Someone's slapping it on their palm over and over. Yeah, um, this is a real shrug of a song. I think, let's give it just a second. I do feel like the chorus... I feel like they are already kind of post Beatles influence or at least like direct Beatles influence. Yeah. I feel like they're already establishing this song style of like power pop ballad where it's like we start really soft and quiet, it builds up, it gets like slightly faster, the melody changes throughout, like it's not just verse, yeah. chorus, verse, chorus. They've done that like five times already on this album and this is a great example, I think. And I like it but don't love it <laughs> fair yeah yeah like that you know they're moving through they only did a verse and a chorus and then it's like instrumental break but it's like pushing the song in yeah. a different direction instead of just getting them back to the chorus or the verse i mean yeah there's a song that they do it in it's one of the next ones where it's a literal full stop yeah there's no reverb or anything like going into it. It's just a full stop. I, which is yeah. kind of neat, but I, I kind of like this song. I do. I think it's better than some of the other slow songs we've heard so far. So, and it's in the right spot on an album for it too. So that helps a lot. <laughs> that does. Yeah. All right. Let's get to uh, Watford John. This is a band, whole band writing credit, and Pete Ham and Tom Evans are singing lead. 
this you know is fun. what this sounds like? Yeah, what's this and sound like? It sounds like uh, Don't Be Cruel by Cheap yes. Trick, which is yes. an Elvis song. I w- yeah, I was about to say this sounds like they're doing like, yeah, like 50s rockabilly kind of stuff, yeah. but again, like updated for 70s power pop. Yeah. And I very much enjoy it. It makes it feel a little bit like a novelty song. Yeah. But I do, I enjoy it. You know, I can't love Cheap Trick's cover of uh, Don't Be Cruel as much as I do and then knock this. Yeah. Because this is good. Yeah. Weird weird guitar solo in a weird spot, Kinda but it fucking Cheap Trick esque guitar dude. solo, too. Like, it yeah. sounds like a late 70s guitar solo to me, not a 1971. Yeah, this song is is good, but once again, so here's, I'm, I'm kind of giving away my review for this album a little bit early, but it's like, this is a great up-tempo song, but this would be a terrible first half of the album song. This is a second half of the album song, but they only have two songs left, and like, they just don't have enough good songs for this album is the problem, but let's get to Believe Me, a Tom Evans song uh, with him singing lead. So I think this is a good example of like not a great bass line, but it's it's well done bass. Like the bass is playing the right thing the whole time to be interesting. As long as we're talking about Beatles comparisons, this sounds so much yeah. like something off the Abbey Road um, 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 medley to me. Like yeah. it is, it is that exactly. But it's great. I think like this is maybe the best slower song on the album to me. This thing is this is a really fantastic song. It is, but you're, it does sound exactly like yeah medley. But the chorus doesn't, like, the chorus kind of gets into more of their own thing where, like, they're doing the shouty Paul voice thing, but it's, I don't know, it, it sounds unique to me once they get to that. And then once they get back to kind of the bluesy um, verses, but but I, I think this one's excellent. Once again, it's a perfect, it's a perfect second half of the album song. Yeah, it's basically that exactly. I do you no wrong. Uh, so let's get to uh, We're for the Dark, uh, Pete Ham, and in the uh, album. This is maybe, you already said there is a least Beatles-y song. I think this might be my vote for least Beatles-y song. Although he's doing his Paul voice, but song style, songwriting. Well, and he's kind of doing George on um, All Things Must Pass guitar. Yeah. It's a good song, though. I 
I don't love this song. I really love how it's recorded. Like, he's singing in, like, a stairwell and stuff. Like, it makes it sound like he is singing alone, like, in an arena. And I really, I really like the, I don't know, production effect This is one of the top here. songs on the album for me. Interesting. So that's interesting. Yeah. And I, maybe it is because I like the recording, but... Yeah, I love the production, but the song itself, I think, is fine. Not, not that special. Um... I like that part. Yeah. Or like the end of the chorus, I think is really great. I think I just want to know what "We're for the Dark" means. What does it mean? Do you think? It's I don't want to get into this on the phrase. podcast. Pete. Oh, okay. So um, no, I don't know. Yeah. But then that's a very Paul vocal run. Yeah. Like. Good night. Yeah. Yeah. And then the strings are really nice. Like they get some strings in here. I don't know. Yeah, it's this song's interesting. It's, it's I don't like it, but I don't hate it. Well, it's not enough to live. If you're gonna take, then you have to give. We are for the dark, baby. Yeah. Well, PJ. What are your thoughts on No Dice? It's fine. Um, <laughs> pretty good. Pretty good review. Yeah, better than the last one. Um, you know, it's still the. You said it wasn't going to be as Beatlesy this week. I disagree. I th- okay. No, you're not wrong. It is not as Beatlesy this week. Yeah, but it's still very um, Beatlesy. <laughs> still very Beatlesy. Yeah. Like. Um, and like, maybe that's not true for like casual listeners of both Badfinger and the Beatles. Maybe they wouldn't be bugged by it, but it bugs the shit out of me. Yeah. Um, but I really, really liked at least three songs on the album. Yeah. Which in my mind, that's a four out of 10. No, sorry. Five out of 10. I meant to say five. Yeah, I yeah. think, I think that's about right. Just in, I would like, I think there's three like great songs, like truly. Huh? No, I think there's one truly great song on this album, which is, no matter what, and then there's you know a small handful of very very good ones. But yeah, I mean, I pretty much I think gave my thoughts on this album. I, I like a lot of the individual songs. I think there's way too many slow songs and I think it's ordered terribly. I would almost weird rather album. listen to half fast, half slow on this album. Yeah. It, it's a weird listen for sure. The album yeah. is bizarre. It's bizarre as an album. It's really yeah. like, I hate, you know, like you always, I feel like hate and feel for bands when you read about like the album was rejected because of whatever. So they went back to the studio or like this song yeah. was rejected as a single. So they tried to write something more poppy. But I really feel right. like this is one where someone at Apple could have been like, yeah, how about write two more really fat, like up-tempo rockers and cut two slow songs and you're good to go. Yeah. But like, it's, yeah, it's just too many slow songs. The fast, slow, fast, slow sucks. Yeah. And it, it, it hides like how good some of the good stuff is to me. Um, It's also, it's 12 songs. It's right at 40 minutes. Even without writing more songs, I think they might have, been in a good spot to release like a 32 minute album and cut three to four songs off here like release a nine song 33 minute album as your sophomore effort right like especially if you're trying to get away from the beatles thing like just make it really lean tight power poppy 
Like, get every song that screams, like, we're 70s rock, not the Beatles. And To me, this album, yeah, go every that way. song, it seemed like they, they had a list of Beatles songs on on uh, a bulletin board. Yeah. And two of them threw a dart. Yeah. And they're like, okay, we're going to make it a combo of that one and that one. Yeah. And they could have, yeah, you're right. If they had just made it leaner and, yeah. like, didn't have as many instances of that, it would have been a really great album. Yeah. Um, Keep the three that I like. Get rid of some of the slower ones. You got yourself a pretty good album yeah. that distances yourself from the Beatles. For sure. Get rid of a fucking song that you... Love Me Do? Jesus yeah. Christ. It's not a common phrase, even. Maybe it wasn't written in the 60s, but yeah. it is such a specific phrase yeah. that it's like, no, get that. Yeah. So all that said, I was banding a seven, which is what I gave to the last one. But I do think after spending some good time with this album this week, I do think I don't like it as much as the last one by a single point. Yeah. I'll give it a six out of 10. So uh, we're closer. Yeah, a little closer. So uh, so after they released this album at the end of 1970, they continue touring and they get back in the studio during a touring break to start their third album. Really, their second. I mean, like, that first album was so weird. It was a combo of a bunch of songs they'd written, like, six years earlier and new stuff. So, like, I think there's a school of thought around Badfinger. <laughs> Among us Badfinger fans. Yeah. That, yeah. like, you know, Magic you Christian heads. Music is just, like, a weird compilation of their early stuff and a couple new songs. And then No Dice is really their, like, proper debut album to some degree. Um. So anyway, so they record all of Straight Up with Jeff Emmerich again, the guy, the Beatles guy who produced No Dice uh, in a, like I said, somewhat rushed recording in between tour stops, Uh, which by the way, this tour, they were opening for Leon Russell. Oh, damn. And the single uh, was going to be Name of the Game, which we'll hear when we get to the album. So they sent all that into Apple, left on tour. Apple rejected the album and Name of the Game as a single wanting a more polished sound uh so supposedly there's a couple different stories about who was responsible for this supposedly phil specter at the time he jumped on to do let it be and was hanging out at apple a lot he was apparently the acting um director of something at apple at the time and was maybe the person who rejected name of the game um but it's apparently more likely that it was a different executive at Apple because George and Phil actually ended up remixing name of the game and resubmitting it. And it was still rejected. So I don't know who knows. (laughs) So the album's rejected. George is put in charge of producing the album. Um, Nice. So yeah, he kind of just like Paul, uh, you know, grabbed their hands and pulled them up on the last one. George takes an interest this time around, or on their first one, George takes an interest this time around and decides to help the band out. So they get back in the studio to re-record. They end up using only about half the songs that they put on the original version and wrote new songs. Uh, And George was really involved. He helped them write songs. He played on a bunch of the songs. It was apparently a very, like, nice collaborative atmosphere with him in the studio. They really liked him, got along, all that. Seems like a great guy. Yeah, exactly, right? So George then uh, had to go work on a Ravi Shankar album, of course. (laughs) Yep. So I had to take off for a little bit. And he also, at the same time, started putting together the concert for Bangladesh. Right. He 
uh, as every, I think, rock and roller involved in putting on a like thing like this, a huge event like this, learns this is way more commitment than he was expecting. Uh, yep. So he had to tell Badfinger, I'm sorry, I can't come back to finish your album. I'm doing too much with Concert from Bangladesh. So Apple... So uh, Todd Rundgren uh, apparently knew George Harrison, ran into him in New York yep. while he was setting up the concert for Bangladesh, and he got sent along to Apple to produce straight up or to finish up straight up. So, and obviously during all this time, Badfinger's playing at concert for Bangladesh and still hanging out with George and everything, but he just gets too busy. So Todd was apparently. It's also funny imagining someone in 1970 named Todd. Cause I think of it as a very modern <laughs> name. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, you're totally right. Like There's imagine Don Draper like, calling someone Todd. <laughs> <laughs> imagine if his name was Todd Draper. This is my son, Todd. Oh, hello, Todd. <laughs> um, Ooh, are we listening to some Todd. concert for Bangladesh? No, this is Todd Rundgren. Oh, oh, nice. I've never heard any of his music. I just know him as a really? person in music. Yeah. This used to be my ringtone for every time work would oh, call. Oh, nice. Don't wanna work, just wanna bang on the drum all oh. day. You've heard this. Is song. he the original singer of this? Yep. Oh, all right. Then yeah, I have heard Tom Rundgren before. All right. So, but apparently Todd was no fun in the studio. <laughs> he he was <laughs> He didn't want to bang on the drum. Yeah, all day. exactly. He was domineering and he made the album too slick and overproduced. He didn't listen to what the band wanted. Both Pete Ham and Joey Molland both said that working with George was great, but they really hated working with Todd Rundgren. So, when you go from such a nice person like George Harrison right. to anybody else, I bet yeah. it's a real pain in the ass. So, there was apparently a bit of a, a tiff between Todd and George about the album credits because so Rundgren finished the album and did the final mix, but he wasn't credited with producing the songs that George had worked on, even though Todd claimed they were basically unfinished when he showed up and he right. did all the work. So, so this album's about half and half credited production wise to George to George Harrison. So. So they finally finish up straight up and it's accepted by Apple. This whole thing takes nine months to finish this album that they had initially thought they had finished in like one month when they left for this tour. So yeah, a whole fucking headache and will become the story of Badfinger's life just that nothing comes easy to them. I mean, it is kind of already like their debut album took forever to come out, came out, was shuffled away to only be released in Italy. And then they didn't release another one for like three years. And it yeah. was a weird like, fuck you compilation album to the people who ended up publishing the soundtrack for this movie. Like yeah. they're just, they're always right. in a weird spot basically. You know? <clears throat> yeah. It's, it's rough. Yeah. Um, it's kind of, I think what like draws some people to them and makes them intriguing to people as a band, just that they like have some great songs. They have some hits. They feel like yeah. they're just always like at the edge of breaking through to be like one of like to being like a cheap trick type great band of the seventies or something, but just yeah. like ever at every turn things did not go their way. And very famously because of the Beatles connection, like they weren't, you know, just lost in the mire at Atlantic or something. So, yeah. Well, and yeah, it's interesting that it's like, Oh, it took nine months when they were on tour for their album to come out. Yeah. We're like now nine months is not yeah. a long time for right? them to come out. That's but true. That's it a good is point. very different because they had finished recording, whereas now it's like 
if an artist goes in, they'll write and record a song in like a day, and then that song will be done. It just takes nine months of for them to like write the songs. Yeah, get them down to where they are. It's just interesting that that it was like yeah, I don't know for sure. Yeah, well, nine it's definitely, whole months. They definitely like, still have this. 60s idea of what it takes to record an album yeah whereas later into yep. the 70s and yeah today it's like people uh, today i think even more so people will just be like i'm gonna go into the studio for a couple weeks and then i'll take a couple months off and then come back to it and like see how i'm feeling right. about all these songs right and that's what and i'm it's saying like, it's yeah, like yeah you spend like a year making an album yeah but but it takes so much less to make a song now mm-hmm. but, they, that but too. it's much longer yeah, yeah. so it's like interesting i don't know yeah um so Finally, this album comes out, although Badfinger are not super happy with it. They feel like the album they started with, you know, and the ideas they started with did not come through fully in the final product. Mm. So, straight up. Excuse me. Um, Which, by the way, what a great pair of names for albums. No No Dice dice and Straight straight up. Up. Yeah, like, it's very, yeah, it's it's a fun idea, at least, and also is like, I yeah. feel like a little bit maybe reflected in their album titles of like, we are not the Beatles. Like they're just very <laughs> like, this is, this is what yeah. we are giving you, you know? Like anyway. Yeah. Um, did we talk about the album cover for the last one? Uh, oh, we did not. And I actually had something interesting about the album cover for the last one. Thank you. Um, no so the album cover for no dice uh, is one of the rare, this has come up on the show before one of the rare gatefolds that is a vertical gatefold. It's a lady with, like, does she have a snake? Let me pull it up. I don't think she does. No, she's got something around her neck. It it might literally just be, like, a feather boa, and it kind of vaguely looks like it. But I don't think she has anything. Oh, she's got, like, a snake armband, like Cleopatra. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very Cleopatra. She's got huge hair. She's just, like, making a weird arm movement toward the camera. And then if you fold it out, it's just her full body in like a weird yeah like cleopatra e bikini skirt kind of thing yeah yeah and in black and white um apparently they they're no one has any idea who the model is (laughs) the photographer yeah claims the photographer says it was one a photo he took at some like beatles um like fan convention thing or something and he's just Mm -hmm. like yeah it was just some photo i took there and then like the band picked it out as the album cover and then they just went with it but like no one yeah no one knows who the the person is so that's really interesting yeah uh which cool that's great i'm surprised that person never wrote to <laughs> wrote to apple yeah, saying hey like, pay me money hey, that's me yeah pay me yeah. my money please the album cover for straight up is extremely ugly um, we mentioned um, it before. It they is, have some great suede jackets and great leather jackets, but it is, it's from the same shoot that we were talking about. I guarantee it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, they all have that same hair and then they're all just wearing slightly. Oh yeah. Cause, um, he, he's wearing the same sweater different and, jacket, but sure. yeah, Tom yeah. Evans is wearing the exact same shirt and sweater. You're right. But different jacket. And, um, the drummer whose name Mike is, me, is wearing the same, same sweater, sweater, but he has but a, jacket. a leather jacket great. on top. PJ, great eye. But the reason it's so ugly is because their hair is bad, but then also because the entire yeah. thing is brown. It is a like yeah. black background behind their heads. They all have brown hair, and they are all wearing all brown. Yeah, in the photo. Um, it's just it's which, brown, which, brown, brown, brown. Not a terrible color scheme for a lot of things, but for an album cover, 
No, and Jesus with Christ. the hair and with the like yeah. 70s style clothes, it really is the it's the album cover equivalent of like when you go to someone's house and they still have the wood paneled orange shag basement that they've never updated. Yeah. It is that on an album cover. It is you can tell exactly when this was. Yes. Absolutely. Because they were trying to do like I feel like 19 let's say 69 through like 72, hmm. a lot of really bad album covers like this where for some reason there were still some companies taking photographs of the band yeah. and then everybody else was doing like kick-ass album art. Yeah. But yeah. the ones from the 70s that are pictures of the bands, like early 70s, are always really, really bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it looks, and the lighting is very studio lighting where like their foreheads it's are all, all shiny yeah. for no reason. and Like, yeah. Whatever the opposite of backlit yeah. is, where there's yeah. no backlighting. Yes. It's all front lighting. So, yeah. So straight It's up. like they took it in the dark with the flash on. Not great. Exactly. Yeah. Um, came out in December 1971 in the U.S. and February 72 in the U.K. I have no idea why Apple has weird a weird delay there. Um, the yeah, lead you would single, think since they're based in the U.K. Yeah, right? The lead single quicker. was Day After Day. It went to number four in the U.S. and number 10 in the U.K. Uh, we'll get to it. Crazy single. Crazy lead single off this album to me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and also solidifies they did not go with name of the game. Fuck that. Uh, the second <laughs> single was Baby Blue. It went to number 14 in the U.S. And the name of the game did end up doing well as like an album cut on the radio, uh, but never really chart- mm-hmm. never charted as a single. Um, okay. Apple only released the first single in the UK and did not really promote the record that much. And, you know, I mean, Apple has a lot of issues by 1971, 1972. So maybe that's part of it. This is true. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, they were never that well run to begin with. Um, so like <laughs> that hurts. I mean, they too. were started as basically a shell corporation. Yeah. So. so anyway. Oh, so the, uh, the official tracks that Harrison is credited with producing, by the way, um, I'll get to. It's four of them, and I have that written here. So, let's, I want to try to guess them as we yeah. go by. Let's go ahead and do our Rolling Stone review before we get into the track by track. I'll just put it in in post. Okay. So the review came out December 1971, the same month the album came out. What is happening? Wow. Did they get an advanced before copy? Before it was even out in the UK. Damn. I know, right? Yeah. So straight up is a. This is written by Mike Saunders again. All right, cool. Oh, we can tell because he immediately says no dice was superb. (laughs) Straight Up is a big disappointment. I remember reading a quote by Mike (laughs) Gibbons saying that Straight Up would be a natural progression from the previous album. As is usually the case with such supposed progressions, the result here is self-consciousness in place of spontaneity, solemnity in the place of former exuberance, and a general all-around deadness where infectious energy was previously the rule. Wow. Yeah. Uh, most often of all, the first of former virtues to fall by the wayside is that of unabashed rock and roll energy, and that's what's happened here. The result is a barely <laughs> decent album, one which is the poorest of Badfinger's three LPs and by far the least likable. So that would be, at least wow. from Mike Saunders' perspective, maybe the uh, the Todd Rundgren polishing and everything. I don't know. Yeah. It's hard to huh. say where the blame lies. Oh, here we go. Uh, the quality of songwriting <laughs> split up evenly between the band as down all around the melodies that they had previously excelled in are not anywhere as plentiful here the production todd rundgren and some george harrison is inferior to what they've had in the past Partici- particularly the atrociously muddy sound of the vocals 
Uh, Pete Ham's great guitar work seems to already be a thing of the past. Great, cool. Wow. There's no magic rock. There's no rock and roll spirit. The magic Scooby Doo, whatever you want to call it, is gone. <laughs> Which is really a fantastic turn of phrase. Once Scooby Doo, I can't tell whether I hate that as a like uptight or like a stuffy um, Rolling Stone thing, or whether it's hilarious. But yeah, that's very funny. So it's it's completely devoid of the energetic ravers they've included on previous albums and. Um, don't have any more lightweight pop virtues. It's the worst thing that could have possibly happened to this group. So it's the case, uh, sorry, I'll, I'll wrap it up here. The case of another talented but directionless group. One that somehow have convinced themselves they have to do something more serious and polished than plain old just rocking out. Uh, many comparisons made of Magic Christian and Mo- No Dice to the Beatles' help period, and the analogies were apt. With Straight Up, they seem to have already reached the Beatles' revolver stage, a stultifying self-conscious artiness, a loss of previous essential virtues, and far too much general farting around. So, there you go, Mike. He apparently, he didn't even, I don't know what his whole thing was with, because he said he liked, I think, Sgt. Pepper's and White Album, and then he's immediately like, anything after Help is bad now? He, and he doesn't like Revolver, which is Mike maybe... is already a grumpy old man when he's like yeah. 22 writing for Rolling Stone. Revolver is the greatest like acoustic album of all time. Oh, no, You're I'm thinking, thinking of Rubber Soul. Soul. But Revolver is really and good. Revolver is also insanely catchy. It's got some very arty it's... psychedelic moments, but it's got some insane catchy... Anyway. But it's still like, so. as an album, very good. We will see if they lost their magic Scooby-Doo as we head in here. Let's go to yeah. first track, Take, Take it, it All, a Pete Ham song. This maybe should have been our bad finger, who'd you finger song. Hmm, yeah. Oh, the album went to number 31, by the way, in the U.S. and did not hit the top 40 in the U.K.? Is that how they measure that? Who knows? Revolver has... Is Good Day Sunshine on Revolver? Yes. That's one of the best Beatles songs. I love that very raw drum, that drum roll up from like super quiet. It's really great. Yeah. And the organ here is fantastic, man. It's very good. This to me, like, I I guess I maybe hear what Mike hears here with them being like more serious and polished and self-serious and all that. But I think this is a just fantastic like mature rock song like everything here is working to me and just sounds more put together in a good way and more polished in a good way to me yeah and his voice is great here like it's paul tempted- but he's not doing his paul impression yeah i'm tempted to say this is a harrison one but i don't think so it's, i think there'd be a lot not, more yeah Yeah, this song rules. And Great like, opening track, honestly. Look, okay, I hate slow songs at the beginning. I think people know this. Slow songs is the first song in the album, though. Almost always yeah. rule. And this is a great example. That, like, starting with this mid-tempo slow song, it's great, and yeah. it sets the table for a really fantastic, I think, sound. And, like, it's this new kind of, uh, yeah, expectation from this band really good really really good 
for the sake of time, sure. I might. Let's get to Baby Blue, another Pete Ham song. Listeners uh, or watchers of Breaking Bad will know this song. Oh. I think it played over the last episode's end credits, I want to say. Is that right? I think yes. I think that's where it shows up. Because PJ, the meth was blue. Oh, I'm colorblind. That's a spoiler. Yeah, I'm sorry. So this is where Mike Gibbons really comes into his drum drumming for me. It is a little bit revolvery. I'll be honest, but <laughs> yeah, I can kind of hear. I mean, they're doing the very overdriven guitar, which is kind of that earlier, that like yes, yeah. 1966, seven Beatles thing. But but it's good. I think this yeah, so- this song's really great. I love the like the slow intro, and they kind of get back to it, like the little bit of a stop and start thing here. The arpeggiated guitar is fantastic. Like Mike is really killing it with some cool guitar or drum fills. And it's just got a like punch to it that their earlier stuff does not for sure. Yeah, this song is good. And then when we get to, yeah. In here, man. I like that. Bam, 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 bam. That's one of my favorite guitar moves ever when people do that is open chord stop. It's so great. Yeah. And he does at the end here. Well, actually, he might not do it this time. You've actually oh, yeah. brought this up before. It's I love that sound so it always slays. Yeah, that's where'd that great guitar playing go? I don't know. It's not here. This is very yeah. This is very cheap trick. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah. They're pretty early on for this sound. Good for yeah, them, man. What is it? Seventy-one. Yeah. I think cheap trick was seventy-three. So yeah, let's get to uh, money. This is a Tom Evans song. the clean again the nice arpeggio man they really get a lot out of so that. and like the four kn- stacked vocals just to start out is really great and over like it's just a My very guess. like open sound with the ride cymbal yeah. drums a like just low simple bass line and the clean guitar man, it's, it's a nice sound i i'm sure you don't have this in your notes yeah but my guess is that this is one of the ones that Harrison did halfway, but then was credited oh, to yeah. Rundgren. That's, because that beginning yeah. part was very yeah. Harrison. It's possible. I only have the ones that like I, he for sure produced. All, like, yeah. Yeah, like I said, we talked, I think, a little bit off mic before. This album has like a lot of different versions of songs and a lot of confusion about who did what. I have four that yeah. I know for sure he, he did. So You're, it's very possible. 
yeah. Um, it's just like really nice, like the guitar solos aren't great on this album, which is a lot of yeah. really nice like guitar stuff in the interstitials, like just some really cool little licks as they like lead up to chord changes and stuff. Yeah. And again here, like the, yeah, the, um, the harmony vocals and everything, like this song is really great. And it's kind of weird cause like Baby Blue is up tempo, but not like a yeah. headbanger or anything so like we're pretty mid-tempo to slow here to start yeah. i know but it I all know. works for me because it's it's yeah. catchier it's all like a little more driving than the slow ballady yeah. stuff on the last album like yeah right i know that that slide guitar yeah. was recorded by george harrison yeah all right uh i let's get to flying uh, the first joey mullen song on this record A little bit of a pre, what do you call it, a premonition here. This piano line will show up on a later song, which is kind of fun. Makes it not, yeah. it's not a concept album in any way, but just to like nod forward with that piano line is kind of fun. And they're back to the Beatles. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When this kicks in, it, it gets pretty nice. Does sound Beatlesy though, and a very Paul bass thing there, where he's just going thump 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 thump, thump like and sliding up at yeah. the end of the verse. But it's great. I'm like, I almost want to double check this isn't a Pete Ham thing because it, this sounds very, that sounds like a Paul-esque song to me so far, but no, it's true. So. It sounds, yeah, it, I mean, it sounds like a different era of Paul, yeah. whereas Pete Ham is like very much doing late Paul, like into wings yeah. kind of stuff, and this is like... It is like Revolver, Paul, I yeah. guess, yeah. Uh, let's go ahead and get to the first George Harrison-produced track, I Die, Babe. This is a Joey Mullen lead. Har George Harrison is credited with playing guitar on this song. Listen to that guitar, though. It's recorded yeah. very well. And the, like, whatever the, the organ thing is. is in the back is really nice, too, doing some little stabs up there. You Strutter by Kiss. Yeah. It sounds like Kiss listened to this song and they were like, 
Yeah, we can make that more hard rocking. See, this to me, this is where like Mike, I mean, Mike's argument I've already been picking nits with, but like this also to me, this sounds absolutely like it could have come off either of the previous two albums. Like it's a mid 60s Beatles-esque kind of up-tempo thing. They're very, it's very much about the melody. They're doing a lot of cool harmonies. There's great guitar. Like, I don't know. Is um, that Harrison? I think so. Sounds like him. Uh, let's go ahead and get to Name of the Game. So this is the song they kept trying to push as the single and no one wanted. Another Harrison produced and a Pete Ham lead vocal. I'm going to say already. Um, I know we're, what, not even halfway through the album yet. Yeah. So much. It's recorded so much better than it had been. I get yeah, I get complaining about something sounding too slick and everything, but it's like, it, it really sounds, it's great. It really sounds it's, great. It's produced really yeah, well. Good job, is. George and Tom, or uh, Todd. Yeah, Todd, sorry. Um, I think this is one of the weakest songs on the album, actually, I gotta say. Like, it is wild to me they thought it should have been the single. It definitely, again, sounds like he's kind of trying to write a Paul ballad. I don't mind it. Um... It, you're right. I mean, it's not the best song. Um, I don't hate it, though. It's fine. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I like, I mean, the melody's good. It's just, it's not, we are, like, hitting so, the batting average is so high on this album that then it starts to make, you know, be yeah. less excited about a pretty good song. Right. And, um, but it is recorded very well. Mm-hmm. Very, very... Crisp. Mm-hmm. All right. Not much more going on, I don't right? think so there, yeah. So next we have Suitcase, another Suitcase. Joey Mullen song, and another George Harrison produced. This has Leon Russell on guitar. Is that Leon Russell playing right there? I don't know specifically, but it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, a little bit of funk here with the like electric like Rhodes piano kind of sound. Yeah. Again, it kind of sounds like we're in the middle of the Abbey Road medley. <laughs> yeah, well, but it's really great. That's Leon Russell. I guarantee. You said Klaus Vorman was on this album? Not that I saw. I don't. Okay, never mind then. Yeah, this song's like I don't love, but I, I like. I actually think like so. Name of the game closes outside one, and this yeah. opens side two. I think listening to it without sides, I would like this a lot more if it came just right after I died. In. Like just because yeah. uh, name of the game. And then into this, it makes it feel like a slump in the middle, as opposed to, I think, this into Name of the Game. It would just... Yeah. Yeah. This... The slide's great. That slide guitar kicks ass. It is really great. Also really early for 71, I feel like. No, that's not true. Dwayne Allman was doing his thing on every session in, like, 68, 69. 
but it's very good. To Sweet Tuesday Morning. This is a Joe, another Joey Molland, uh, and Bill Collins, their manager, is playing the accordion on this song. Oh. Of all things. I'm glad that everybody in the 60s had an accordion in their bad pocket. This was great. the 70s, but... And I think this was written about his wife, I want to say. That's a really good. Uh, those arpeggios on the acoustic guitar are really nice. It is well, and like you were saying with Name of the Game too, so crisp. Like it sounds like it yeah. is recorded in like a perfect studio setting right now with the sound of the guitar, the little ringing bells in the background, and like his voice. It is like yeah, a perfectly slick. I don't think overproduced. Like I think for these songs, it works to me. I would agree. And my thing is, it's recorded not like the Beatles, which yeah. I'm loving. Yeah. Um, and so, while well, that guy was like, "Oh, it, you know, it's, it's too slick." No, it's just not recorded with the same exact settings that the Beatles were using. Right. Some of that. It's very crisp. It's good. Yeah, I actually think um, I would go ahead and say that I think this is much better than Name of the Game, and they could have swapped these in terms of the two slow yeah. songs. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. I think this ending the B side wouldn't be bad. Yeah. Because yeah. it's a little bit, I don't know if it's more up tempo, but it's more interesting. I think it's definitely more interesting. Yeah. It's a more engaging kind of ballad. The guitar, the like acoustic guitar runs and stuff that are really nice. Yeah. For sure. All right, I'm gonna skip yeah. to day after day. day. After this day. is the final George Harrison song. He is playing the slide guitar. Yeah. Well, I don't know if he's playing this. He's playing. He and Pete Ham play the solo together, and then Leon Russell plays piano. And this is a Pete Ham vocal. Another song that I have heard. Yeah, this one got pretty big. Like, like I said, it wasn't released as a single, but became a a very well known song of theirs. They're kind of doing the take it all thing again, or like baby blue, take it all again, but different a little bit. Yeah, this song rules. Wait, I, I, wait, no, this was the lead single. My bad. I was thinking of name of the game. This was the lead single. So that's probably why you heard it. And it kind of sounds again, like he's kind of doing a bit of a Paul ballad here to me a little bit or Paul song. Yeah, the song is like good. that part sounds very Paul to me. The two years, yeah. the end there, it's pretty funny. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, if you wanted to know what, yeah. As much he as I so love... on fire during the All Things Must Pass era on slide guitar, yeah. he is like for that well, like year, he was as good as any slide guitar player. 
Well, and that's my thing. Is he... So Dwayne Allman is the greatest guitar player of all time. Yeah. And he's amazing at slide. George Harrison plays slide in such a different way. Mm-hmm. You can tell in a second it's George yeah. Harrison playing it. And it's so fucking good. Yeah, it is. All right, let's get to right. Sometimes. Another Joey Mullen. Joey Mullen's doing a lot on this album. Our first kind of rock song on here, like up-tempo yeah. rocker, crazily. It's a George Harrison voice if I ever heard <laughs> Yeah, like if you were thinking of help but 70s. Here you go. Oh, and then there's his little Paul runs. Yeah, I, I feel like, like that, that little guitar line is very 1966 George Harrison. The, yeah. Like, like Long Talk Sally. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Um, but it's fantastic. I really, this song it's is just very song. fun. Yeah. Even if it's kind of pastiche, oh, it's great. He really, really, really is doing a Paul voice. Yeah. Oh, but that's so greasy. I yeah. love it. I really like the backing vocals. Ooh, pain, yeah. sorrow and pain. <laughs> For such a like, yeah, it's very hilarious. To me. Well, and those backing vocals are what for me makes it not sound as much like a Beatles song. They very yeah. easily could have done the Beatles backing vocals thing. Yeah, which just but some they're like or something yeah. tracked or something. I don't know. They sounded great. Yeah, the guitar work on this. Really good. Yeah, the oh, double, so the doubled up guitar. Uh, let's get to perfection. Pete Ham singing lead here. There is no real perfection. Once again, fucking crisp and gorgeous and layered with that wood block yeah. and the acoustic guitars and like. It just those microphones sounds, were up on those guitars. Yeah, it sounds incredible. I don't, you know, I don't know what the band wanted this to sound like, but like with hindsight, I feel like this was produced really well. And the claps, yeah. and this is kind of same as um, like on the last one, either we're for the dark or the other. What was the other one? I don't remember. Maybe without you, I forget. The other like acoustic song that was just like guitar and bass for a while. Yeah. Um, like I just love that this one is it's just acoustic guitar but it's not just acoustic guitar like they add a weird other thing like here it's like they have the wood block and they just have like random hand claps and stuff to like give it some rhythm and interest and some backing vocals rather than you know so like the other one is just like just bass and acoustic guitar is a weird combo and it's cool. Like, I think they do a really good job. I don't like this song that much, but I love the production and the, like, lushness of all the other instruments happening. Yeah. So it makes it worth listening to still. I like this song. I just actively yep. enjoy it. I really like the The only thing that bugs me is the wood block. It. It's oh, so like loud it. in the mix. I like it. And the little, I don't know what it's called, but the thing is very nice. Oh, we've looked it up many times. I know. I don't remember. 
Uh, let's get to then the last song. It's over. Pulling the doors. Uh, this is a Tom Evans song. Yeah. Vibra slap. Nice. I love that riff. The boom, 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 boom. I have also heard this song before. Oh, interesting. So those are the two on this album that I had heard before. Pretty good song. Yeah, I like this one quite a bit, and like, kind of similar to the last one. I feel like there's a lot of songs on the back half here that are a lot better than some of the, like, yeah. I don't know. This is 12 songs again. It's pretty nice. Uh, it's 12 songs again. It's 42 minutes this time. I kind of feel like they could have cut two more songs, made it 10 songs. It would have been just a little bit tighter, a little bit shorter, yeah. and they would have eliminated all the fluff. Which, like, I guess I'd maybe take Name of the Game, and it actually gets kind of hard after that, but yeah. I definitely would take Name of the Game off. But um, Money? Yeah, maybe. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Um, this is the, the vocals on this one are not Beatles-y, but they're very Wings. Yeah. Very, very Wings. Yeah, well, what are your uh, what were your impressions Shit. of Straight Up, PJ? Yeah, that's Pete Ham, by the way. So he's got a little bit of slide, yeah. uh, slide ability too. Um, so much better than their last two albums. Yeah, it's like, like it's almost like they're a different band. Yeah, I mean, in um, these first three albums, it's it's almost like they're three different bands. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's almost like they're a Beatles cover band, and then um, like a a band who's heavily influenced by the Beatles yes. and then just like a normal 70s And then just band. like a 70s band who's heard a Beatles record. With once. the Beatles, yeah, playing on it. Yeah, and then with George Harrison producing just a normal band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so, so much better than their last two. Yeah. Like, um, and you can still hear, you know, the Beatles influences, but it's happening less and less as the albums go on. Yeah. And like, I understand, in this one, it's fine to me because... Like, oh, yeah, that guitar sounds like George Harrison. Yeah, that's because George Harrison fucking produced it, probably yeah. recorded it, and he played some of it, you know? So it's like, I don't know if it's if I'm more forgiving on this or if it's because, to me, whenever they're playing slide, it sounds kind of like Harrison's solo stuff. Right. And, like, a lot of their vocals sound like McCartney's solo stuff. It doesn't sound right. like the Beatles. Yeah. yeah. Per se. Um and maybe that bugs me less, but fucking groovy album, man. It's very yeah. good. Yeah, it's a very interesting one. I do think this is uh, supposed to be their best album uh, by by a good well, amount. It is so far. So yeah, yeah. It's it's pretty wild. It's a pretty crazy like step up. I've never I never really thought about it that hard or, or that like um, carefully. In depth. But yeah. 
Yeah, but it really is like interesting how much it changed and interesting, I guess, you know, learning how much like they weren't, they didn't love the sound of this album and stuff. Cause like, I really yeah. think it's a, I, I kind of agree with you. Yeah. Like I, I think the production is fantastic. Like it just sounds beautiful. And I think it's the songwriting so much is still fantastic. Two. Like that's definitely still yeah. there. And the, like, I think the instrumentation is still there. So like I just think the production's a step up. I like I kind of guess I get that it sounds more solemn and self-serious, but I do think it I think the songs back that up. Like it's fine for them to do I that. I agree. Yeah. They don't need to be like If the songs are all great, then you don't need like an energetic up-tempo barroom rocker song on an album if you're going to write yeah. like a different type of album and make some different some different music. And I think you get some moments like that, like I die babe is pretty like, I think loose in, in the context yeah. of the album, like pretty loose and fun and baby blue is pretty, uh, pretty nice. And then I just, I also kind of feel like with their ballads, it's not like loose fun rock, but like the ballads on this seem more, I don't know, not really personal, but they seem more like real and a little less like, Hey, we need a yeah. ballad. Uh, they seem yeah. a little more like they're just writing songs. Well, like, and I think it feels so heavy-handed in No Dice because every other one is a ballad. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. oh, the studio wanted slower songs. Right. This one, it seems like they wanted to write those. I agree yeah. with you. Yeah. So I think this one, for me, is a is an 8 out of 10 for Straight Up. I was... I'm, I'm thinking between a 7 and an 8. Yeah. Um, I think an 8. I think yeah. I'll give it an 8. There I'll agree you with go. you on this one, Pete. Pete Ham... It's a good listen. Crushing good it. Listen. And it, here's the thing with this album. Like, I I do think it definitely just goes, I think it, it it's a straight decline in terms of how good this album is. Like, I think it only gets worse as it goes on. But those, like, the first two songs, Take It All and Baby Blue, to me, are two of, like, the best songs ever. Like, I really think it is a hmm. fantastic start to an album and has... It, it promises an album that I don't think almost anyone could deliver and they can't quite, but they, they get close See, to it being there, like, and there this were some perfect... songs on this album that you were like, eh, it's fine that I really liked. True. Um, so for me, I mean, I just thought it was a solid album, yeah. but yeah, the first two songs, yeah. you're starting out pretty goddamn good. I know, yeah. Take it all in baby blue are ridiculously great. And then you got some great stuff along the way too. So, and to yeah. me, it feels more like an album than their last one, too. I mean, just Absolutely. obviously. But, yeah, it flows a lot better. And Well, than their last two albums, I would yeah. say. So there we go. Well, we will uh, – that's that's the quote-unquote good part of Badfinger. And now next week we will get to our, our final episode on Badfinger where we'll discuss their unfortunate decline, uh, although we'll still talk about some of the music, uh, the good or bad. And uh, – they're run down to to being the 27 done. Club. yeah yeah <laughs> to not existing anymore uh so right yeah enjoy get be ex get excited pj <laughs> oh i'm yeah i'm so excited this motherfucker's going to die that's like my favorite thing when people mm -hmm, die mm -hmm. so yeah there we go well, pete uh, I will see you on the 
other side of that finger. I still don't have anything for bad finger. <laughs> I'll see you at the crossroads, PJ. There you go. A Beach Boys Boys production. Um, what what's going on over what there? What the fuck, Shelby? <laughs> what in the flying fuck? She just popped open she the okay? door, which really I didn't. I wasn't looking at the door, <laughs> so I just had no idea what the noise was, and I was thinking my chair squeaked oh. like insanely loudly or something. Was she giggling? And then no, I th- no. She was just was trying just to show me noise. something. She was trying to like, yeah, hand motion. I just needed to give a thumbs up, but I was just so confused because I didn't know where the noise was coming from. And for some reason, I didn't notice the door was open. Anyway. What was it about? Uh, you, oh, okay. I, I don't know. She's working on, she's making some stained glass today, like oh, some stained glass nice. art stuff. And she wanted to show me one that she was having, like struggling with when I started the podcast and she had finished it. So anyway. Oh, tell her I say good job. Okay. Good job, Shelby from PJ. Thank you. She sounds like she might still be right outside the door. <laughs> it definitely sounded like I could hear Shelby, her. Shelby, you can so. come back in if you. We're basically <laughs> taking a break now. What? I said we're basically taking a break now. You finish those? Mm-hmm. They look really, really good. Yeah, that's awesome. Good job. Okay. I'm sure they look great. All right. <laughs>